You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. Right, um, as Clive's already explained, this is the second in our series about Jesus in his own words, in which we're looking at the various statements Jesus made where he said, I am. We've already had, I am the good shepherd. Today, we're looking at, I am the light of the world. Which you will find in John chapter 8 and verse 12. And I'll just read that briefly for you. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, way back in the Old Testament, um, where we have all the prophecies about the coming Messiah, who was going to be the king that would restore everything, we find a a particular um, passage which gets read at Christmas in Isaiah chapter 9, and, it, and you will I say, if you've been used to Christmas services, you'll have heard this often. And it begins like this, talking about the coming king. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And then it goes on to talk about the king on whose shoulders the government will rest and whose kingdom will last forever and ever. And that is obviously as we understand, a prophecy about Jesus. And so here in this particular statement of Jesus, we see him saying, that is talking about me. I'm the light of the world. I'm the one who's coming. So what exactly does it mean, being the light of the world? A few weeks ago, Clive and I had a day out at the Um, Black Country Living Museum just outside Dudley in the West Midlands and it's all set up so that you can experience what life was like for people living in a mining town um, back in the 19th century so kind of the 1800s and one of the highlights of that trip this time was that we got to do the mine tour last time we went that wasn't open because of Covid but this time we got to do the mine tour So we actually went down into the old mine and it's all set up as if it was kind of the mid 1800s. And you know, they have various scenes which will light up as you go round of people doing their their jobs down there. But before you go in, you're given a torch between two of you. And the glass on this torch looked absolutely dirty. I thought, that's really odd. And they said, you'll notice the glass is rather obscure. He says, that's so that it only gives the kind of light a candle would have given. Because, of course, these miners, when they went down the mine, that's all they had, candlelight. So down we went. And first going in, that torch wasn't doing much good, coming out of the light and into the dark. But then once we got right inside, they said, now switch them all off, please. And for just a couple of minutes, we were in pitch darkness. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. It was so dark, there was no light at all. It was really scary. And to think of people working in those conditions. Now, obviously, they had their little candle. But, you know, when you started work in the mines in those days, you'd be about 10 years old. Boys of 10 went down the mines 
And the first job you did was to be a doorkeeper, which meant you were sitting beside a door, which was sort of stopping the gases which might have caused explosions from passing through. But you had to be listening for the pit pony coming along with his cat, um, big tub full of coal. So you had to open and shut the door. And these 10-year-old boys were sitting there. They were given a candle. But, you know, the candles were made of animal fat in those days. So when you burnt them, they smelt like food cooking. And when you had very hungry little boys, and they were, some of them ate the candles. Or if it fell over and went out, so you were in pitch darkness just listening. Now, can you imagine what it's like? You're sitting there and, you know, there's sounds and you don't know what it is and you can't see where you're going. It's actually very frightening. Darkness is something, you know, really to be dreaded. And, you know, one little candle makes all the difference. Because once your eyes get used to the darkness, that one tiny little candle begins to shed light all around. So you begin to get the beginning of the picture of what Jesus is talking about here. He says, I've come into the darkness here, to the people walking in darkness, and I'm the light. At last, you can begin to see why things are going wrong, what you're tripping over, what is it that's causing those strange sounds? And what's more, the fear begins to be dispelled as you begin to be able to see where you're going and what this is all about. So it's very exciting. All through John's Gospel, you find that the theme of light is one of those repeating ones. And here, right at the very beginning of John's Gospel, in um, chapter 1 and verse 4, it tells us, In him was life, this is talking about Jesus, the light, the life was the light of men. It's bringing hope. And it says, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not. Now, this word, you will, depends what version you're reading. Some will say understood it. Some will say it has not overcome it. Because actually that word means to sort of, you know, get a complete apprehension of it. I think the best translation is in the New English Bible. It says, the darkness has not mastered it which kind of gives us both aspects of it. It's about understanding, grasping, realizing it. And it's also about the fact that you can't, you can't put it out. It has the victory. It's overcome. So this is good news. And so we come on to um, the practicalities of this. So he's come as light. One of the things about light, of course, it reveals the things which are hidden. Those things that you didn't see that were tripping you up. It means that when you want to know where you're going, you've got some guidance because you can see your way. We, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, you know, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, it's like the little candle that will sort of show me the next step of the way. But also, it's like that light at the end of the tunnel when you're getting out of the mine that shows you where you're going and gives the sort of the whole overall picture. So, it tells us where we're heading and it helps us find the way to get there. But, you know, Jesus didn't just say, I've got some light for you. He didn't just say, you know, I'm one of these teachers who's, who's got understanding. I can give you some insight. It is true he does those things. But what he said was not, I've got the light or I can show you the light. He said, 
I am the light. And uh, as I think it was Matt doing the first um, of the I am statements, we need to remember I am, that is God's name. When he first told Moses what his name was, and Moses says, who are you? He said, I am who I am. In other words, I decide who I am. Um, one, of, one of Mike's pupils many years ago when, uh, when he was teaching Ari at the grammar school, um, he'd asked them to say, you know, what do you think it meant when God said, I am who I am? And one of them in his homework, quite a perceptive lad, had put, it means I'm God, I don't change, hard luck. <laughs> so basically, I am who I am, I will be who I will be, I'm the real one. And when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's telling us, in me, you are seeing God. He who has seen me has seen the Father, he said. In other words, here you see what God is like. You don't just get his instructions, although you get those. You actually see what God looks like, what kind of person he is. You see that when you see Jesus. And you also see what a human being made in the image of God, as Genesis tells us we were, is meant to look like. This is what we were supposed to be like. Jesus is the only one who has ever fully reflected the glory of God in humanity because he's the only one that wasn't tainted and corrupted by sin. So when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, he's showing me something that I couldn't see before and now I can. It says the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world and here, here we have it. And the fact that he says, I am, in other words, you have to come to me for it. You only really discover what light's about when you're in relationship with Jesus, when he's in you and you are in him. We've just celebrated communion, where we celebrate the fact that Jesus is in us. He's our food and we are in him, we're part of him. It celebrates the fact that we're in a, in a complete union there. It's not just a little ceremony we go through. So at last, we've got the key. At last, the real light. And yet, the world's still pretty dark. Why is that? Why is it that people are still groping about in the dark? Why is it that everything still doesn't seem to be working? Why is it that not everybody knows and loves Jesus? And Jesus gives us another talk about light there. If you go into, into John chapter 3, when he's talking with Nicodemus, we find him saying this. Let me think. It's in chapter 3, and I'm looking at verse 19. This is the judgment, says Jesus. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. 
But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So in other words, for some reason, some people want to refuse the light and stay in the dark. When we were down that mine in Dudley, um, you know, we, we'd seen all these scenes, we'd sort of groped our way through, you were having to bend double some of the way because the ceiling was so low. But when we were coming out, they warned us, they said, now when you come out into the daylight, don't look up at the sky if it's bright and sunny because your eyes will have become accustomed to the dark and actually the sunlight will hurt your eyes because you're not used to it, your eyes haven't adapted to it. But they have adapted to the dark. So for all of us in, in the world that we're born into, it's like our eyes are adapted to be in darkness. We think it's normal. That's, you know, that's just how things are. And when the light comes, it's not always very welcome for various reasons. You know, if you've ever tried to wake somebody up and they're in a darkened room and you walk in, you switch on the light, you pull back the curtains and your teenager says, ah, put that off. <laughs> or in my case, my husband. <laughs> if you're asleep and you want to stay asleep, you don't like the light being switched on because it's a lot easier to sleep in the darkness and it's comfortable and it's cosy and you don't have to face up to anything because you're asleep. Some people don't want the light because they're very comfortable in the darkness, thank you. And actually, if you let the light in, oh, that means I have to get up, I have to start functioning, I have to change, I have to be challenged. And sometimes we don't want that. And then, of course, the other thing about the light is it shows everything up. Now, when I was talking about Jesus showing us you know, what we're meant to be, it's almost like... Um, you know, if you're, if you're in, in, the, in the house when it's still dark, have you ever noticed that your furniture isn't very bright in the color? You can't see its color. Everything's sort of grayish. But when the sun comes up, suddenly the colors show. Suddenly everything looks different. It's all kind of coming alive, which is, which is, is wonderful. But of course, the other thing that begins to show up is all the stuff that needs doing and all the dirt. I have one of those vacuum cleaners that has a light on it. It's actually very useful. If I'm hoovering along under my kitchen cupboards and it all looks okay until as it goes along, suddenly this light picks up a cobweb and the cobweb shows where before I didn't even see it. I mean, spiders make their webs in the dark, don't they? So you won't see them. But if you shine the light on a cobweb, you can see it. So whoosh, you swipe it away. But what if, what if you are the spider? You don't like the light revealing your cobwebs and sweeping them all away, do you? What if you are the person who actually, um, whose heart is still wedded to the darkness. If you're the person that actually likes to deceive people, let's take one of the real sort of extreme examples. Supposing you're one of these scammers that ring us up periodically and they spin us some yarn, what they actually want to do is to get your bank account details so they can empty your bank account. 
because they are deceivers and liars who want to exploit other people. Now, if you're like that, you don't want the light shed on it. You don't want it exposed because then you'll be in trouble. Or even if you're not quite at the point of sort of saying, oh, yes, I want to do wicked things, but actually I'm aware that um, in the light, I don't look too good. I feel a failure. I feel ashamed because I know that there are things about me which are not right. I may actually prefer not to be seen. Thinking about our miners again. Of course, for many, if in the winter they didn't see daylight, their shift started before the sun came up, and by the time they got out, the sun had gone to bed again. So in the, in the winter, they never saw the daylight. But in the summer, when you came out of the mine, do you know what? If you've been down a mine working in it, you are covered in coal dust. Your clothes, your face, your hands, the whole of you is covered in coal dust. You're actually very dirty. That's why they have pit head baths, because the first thing you need coming out of a mine is a good clean up. And sometimes that's the reason people don't like the light, because I feel dirty, because I know I'm not clean, and I don't want people to see that. I don't want it to be exposed. We're like Adam and Eve in the garden. Quick, get me a fig leaf. Let me cover up. I'm ashamed because there are things that need covering. And Jesus says, you know, some people, because their deeds are evil or because they're full of shame, they don't want to come to the light because they don't want to be exposed. And it is actually very uncomfortable to see yourself in God's light. I've only had like the candlelight exposure and that's bad enough. If you were coming into full daylight in the presence of God, let's face it, for all of us, it's so what, what Job said, I couldn't, he couldn't wait to see God, to plead his case. And when he saw him, said, I'd heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I repent and I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. In other words, he's saying, now I see myself in your light. Perhaps I don't look quite as good as I thought I was. So there's lots of reasons why people want to refuse the light. But if you're really going to become what you're meant to be, made in the image of God, somebody who actually begins to become like Jesus, then you need the light so you can see where things need washing. You can see where things need changing. And you can see where you're going. And you can see the things that would make you stumble if you don't look out. Because I, I think Clive mentioned it earlier. The other statement about the light of the world is actually in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 5 and verse 14, where Jesus says to his disciples, you are the light of the world. Now that doesn't mean that we're, oh yes, you know, we're equal with Jesus. No, it doesn't mean that. It's like Jesus is the sun and we're the moon. The moon doesn't have any light of its own, but it reflects the light of the sun so that when it's dark, you get some of the reflected sunlight from the moon. And if it's a bright moonlit night, you can see where you're going. Not as bright as the day. And in fact, at the moment, it isn't that the moon isn't there. We can't see it because the sun's so bright that it's eclipsed it. But we are meant to be bearers of the light because Jesus is in us and we are in him. And therefore, here we should be reflecting his light into the world around us. And for that to happen, we need to be walking in the light. What, he, what Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. 
In other words, you don't have to be in the dark anymore, but it also means he won't choose to be in the dark anymore. He will choose to walk in the light. He will want to walk in the light. If you're a real disciple of Jesus, you don't want to be stuck in the darkness and sort of trying to get away with things. You want to be clean and pure and moving forward and becoming more like him. And so Jesus says that, you know, if you're going to follow me, follow the light, then you will gradually find that that light is reflecting off you. And others are discovering that Jesus is the light because they can see, you've got something. There's something there. You've got something I want. I'm going to quote Clive from his um, interview. When he was at the interview for the um, prison chaplaincy job that he did up until last year, they asked, the governor asked him why he wanted to do this job. And he was already volunteering, so you know, he, knew the, he knew the setup there. And he said, you know, he says, actually, he says, I broke down almost in tears at that point. I said, it's because, you know, obviously, giving all the long things. But actually, he said, somebody came up to me and said, I want what you've got. That's how it should be. If we're walking with Jesus in the light, then that light begins to reflect from us. And it should be that people around are saying, what have you got? What's different? I want what you've got. Because when you're in the darkness, you're longing for light. And of course, ultimately, when Jesus reappears and we see the new heavens and the new earth, and we're in finally in the state where there is no more darkness, that's the whole point. There is no more darkness. If you look at Revelation uh, chapters 21 and 22, you'll find it's twice stated, the city has no need of the light or of the sun or the moon because God himself is its light. And there's no night there. It's all light. It says God is its light and its lamp is the lamb. In other words, we don't need the sun anymore because the real light is shining. And nothing is hidden because there is no darkness and everything that belongs to the darkness is outside. In other words, nobody who wants to live in darkness will get in there. Nobody who actually wants to reject the light will be in there because, well, the city is very bright and darkness has no place. And so if we are now, like the moon, reflecting the glory of the sun with the O as opposed to the U, one day when God's work in us is completed, we're going to be shining like the sun, like the stars. We're going to be perfectly reflecting the image of God as we were created to be. And so when Jesus says to us, I am the light of the world, no one who follows me will walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Because as John said at the beginning of his gospel, the light was the life, the life was the light of men. And here we have the life being the light being the life of men. The two, light and life, they go together. Ever tried to grow, um, grow plants in the dark? Doesn't work. The whole reason plants have leaves which are green is so that they can catch the sunlight and that's what makes the food for the plant. You can't have life without light. 
So, just to summarize, Jesus is the light. He has come into the darkness of this world so that we can actually be delivered from the darkness. He demonstrates the fact that evil is defeated because evil cannot overcome the darkness. Even the tiniest candle in a dark room, what do you see? You see the candle. Always the light drives out the darkness. And in Christ, if we are his followers, we will be reflecting that light into the world around us until one day we dwell in perpetual light because in the presence of God, there is like, to quote John's letter, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all because darkness is actually only the total absence of the light. So the ultimate outer darkness is when you are shut off completely from the presence of God. If we want to be in the presence of God, we need to open ourselves to the light and let it do its work in us.